unexplained phenomena, unknown entities, unidentified flying objects, mythical creatures and secret conspiracies. This radio show presents information based on theory and conjecture. The producer's purpose is to present some possible explanations, but not necessarily the only ones to the mysteries we will examine. You're listening to the Paranormal Pulse podcast. Now, let's get this show on the road. episode of the Paranormal Pulse podcast. My name is Lance Phillip. With me is the lovely Jennifer. Hello. So, it's been an interesting few weeks in the paranormal world, uh, unfortunately. Um, you know, we, we 
didn't do shows the last two weeks. We've had some scheduling problems. Um, those were all fixed. Now we're back. That's a good thing. Unfortunately, there has been a lot of chaos in the paranormal world. We unfortunately had the deaths of three people, two of of very well-known uh, folks in the community, and that would be Debbie and Mark Constantino. Um, unfortunately, uh, there was a situation, and Mark uh, took Debbie's life, uh, her roommate's life, and then took his own life. Um, you know, we don't want to get into all the speculation, uh, who was wrong, who was right. It's just a horrible, horrible situation. Um, but at the same time, we couldn't just gloss over it and not talk about it. So we are going to talk about it a little bit. Um, you know, I, I just thought you folks know, I've never met them, uh, at all. Neither is Jen. No. I did have one interaction, um, with them. It was a while ago. I probably four or five years ago, I sent an email to them, um, asking, about what they thought the best uh, EVP record, what record, digital recorders would be best for EVPs. And I got an email back right away, and I believe it was Debbie who answered it because you know, it was through their website, which was a joint website for their business. Um, and she had guided me to using the Olympus 8100 and also a Sony B16. The Olympus 8100... You've you've seen on Ghost Adventure, Zach uses it, Aaron uses it. The B, Sony B16 is a little older unit that's long been discontinued. Again, you've seen that on Ghost Adventures as well. Zach uses it. Um, I've used the 8100. I've had mixed results with it. Um, and have, unfortunately, I've not used the Sony, even though I've had it for like four years now. I got them very inexpensively on eBay. And I haven't used the Sony because the Sony um, doesn't have a USB port. So it's a little bit inconvenient because you have to record it and then play it into another recorder that would be able to transfer it or into your computer to transfer it over. So I haven't used that one. But the, the long and short of it is um, we, don't, we don't know them. We're not going to claim to know them. Uh, like I said, I just had the one interaction. They were very nice. They, you know, I, I believe it was Debbie answered the question. Right away, I got the email back in a couple of days, if I remember right. It's been a long time. Um, it's it's one of those situations, you know. It's just it's tragic, you know. Domestic violence is never a good thing, you know. And I think it just serves to sort of highlight exactly how prevalent it is in society, um, and not just you know men on on women violence. It, it goes the other way, and I think a lot of people tend to forget that women can also be the aggressors. And this was sort of like a well slap back to reality. It's probably not the best word to use, but it it was a reminder and a wake up call to say, hey, you know what? It doesn't necessarily have to be just a man abusing a woman. It can be a woman actually abusing a man. Um, at that point, I know you know. People snap and, you know, things happen, but it's a shame that it got to that point at all. And I think that that's the worst part of it now. You know, not only the um, the paranormal community, but, you know, the world is has lost, you know, three good people. Not just, you know, Debbie and Mark, but also Debbie's roommate. Um, 
as well, and he seems to be a little bit overlooked. So, um, you know, our condolences go out to all of their families. Yeah, I mean, you know, but I think too, with it, with with everything that happened with them, the paranormal world just kind of lost its freaking mind after the fact. You had people accusing him, people accusing her, and really it wasn't necessary because it's not going to change anything. They're both gone, and it's a tragedy. You don't need to try and point blame or figure out what happened. A, we don't have the, all the details. We weren't there. We don't know what's been leading up to this. We know there are, you know, there's been reports of problems, but to speculate is just, I think, a little irresponsible. And then on top of that, then came the thrill seekers who were trying to capitalize mm-hmm. off their deaths, and it was just horrible. Um, you know, you had had one person from one paranormal group who was saying he was using um, some type of app that he created. I'm not even going to get into who it is or what the app is, and contacting them. Um, now, the other day, you had this psychic uh, who came out, and she said she's been talking to Debbie... I mean, really, just just give it a break. It, it doesn't. You don't need to go there, you know. And then what happened was there there was an outcry against those people, and then it just started like a whirlwind of people in the paranormal field. And I'm talking about some well known people. All of a sudden, started waging wars on each other back and forth, and it's it's just ridiculous. And and you know, I know. By the way, I should mention for the people who don't aren't necessarily into the paranormal reality TV shows. We should explain who Debbie and Mark Constantino were. Right. Um, they were EVP specialists um, who had been researching for years, and they were featured um, on Ghost Adventures on several episodes, and I think they've made appearances on other shows as well, but, but pre- uh, predominantly on Ghost Adventures. And their work with EVPs was, you know... Uh, considered groundbreaking in the field. Uh, whether you believe their work or not, that's just a whole other issue for a whole other day. Uh, I've brought them up in the past on the show. Um, now it's not the time for that. But, I mean, you had people out in the field who were just name-calling, trashing, not just them, but, I mean, other people in the field. It just created a shitstorm in plain English, you know? Mm-hmm. It did. I mean... You know, and and some of the people who were involved in it, I know personally. You know, and um, the horrible point is that I I feel bad because I don't in a situation like that I won't get involved. I I try and stay out of that drama. And I had one friend in particular um, who's fighting with another friend on there. And I refuse to choose sides. And there, there's names calling, going back, accusations. And my thing is, A, I don't need to be in it. B, I think there are people making accusations without a lot of proof. Um, and it's just, it's very disturbing. And I know we have this and in, in we have this kind of drama. And I hate to use that word because it's just overused in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But we have it in just about everything we do anybody who's ever been in a band and been on a, been in a local music scene knows that there is nothing but quote unquote drama who's fighting 
for spots on shows, who's, you know, stealing band members from other bands because they wouldn't need them in your band because they have either the right equipment or they have the right contacts. Um, who's bad-mouthing bands? And, and, you know, and I could see it in that field, unfortunately, because it's very the music industry is very cutthroat. And at one time, there was a lot of money to be made there, which there isn't anymore, uh, unless you're a really over-the-top, you know, top 40 uh, star. But most bands nowadays that you see in clubs playing, even bands with national contracts, still work day jobs. I know. I think it sort of highlights a larger issue in the fact that there's a competition between a lot of paranormal groups. Um, And I don't necessarily think that they need to have that. Um, competition because we are all trying to figure out the same thing. We're trying to figure out, you know, what happens next? What is the next step after we leave this plane? Um, is there another plane? Is there another, um, you know, is another realm of existence? It's We're all focusing on the same things, but I think that people are tending to fight the, with the methodology itself. You know, they're trying to say, well, my way of doing things is the only way of doing things where Another group is saying, no, 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 you need to follow what I do and, and how I do it. And I think it's silly because ultimately we're all trying to, to find out, you know, what is that next step? Yeah, and I, I, just, I just think the overall, you know, it seems to be calming down a bit now this week, but... For now. I mean, it was just at a volcanic level. It was just terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the infighting that I saw, you know, almost made you... I mean, I've heard, I, heard, I saw some people who said they were going to get out of the field because of it. And know? that's a shame. Yeah, I mean, there's no need for that, you know. Mm-hmm. But let us, let's move on to something else. I just wanted to mention that, didn't, you know, don't want to go too far into mm-hmm. it. Like I said, our condolences do go out to the families yeah. that are involved. I mean, unfortunately, that's the bottom line. Two, uh, three people lost lives and, mm-hmm. you know. Okay, so let's talk about something else. The upcoming Halloween season. <laughs> Um, every year I have this tradition that starting on the first day of October, I start watching a horror movie a day until I get to Halloween. And I generally start, and I think I talked about this last year, I start with older movies from, say, the 30s and 40s, and then I work my way to the 50s and 60s all the way up to current. Um, but I kind of went off track with that. I decided to watch a movie today. That's more of a modern movie. It's only uh, it was made in 2012, uh, and that was the haunting of the Whaley House. Um, I don't know what to think of this movie other than it's utterly ridiculous. It's not even a good schlocky horror movie. Um, it's about it's about this girl, young girl, who works as a tour guide in the Whaley House. She doesn't believe in ghosts because that's how they always start these stories. Right. The person never believes in ghosts. Um, I would say spoiler alert, but there's nothing to spoil. The movie's just horrible. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's worth watching for just the, the factor of how bad it is, but also, too, because they portray ghost hunters in it. And as always, movies never get ghost hunting right. Um, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, it, it portrays this young girl. Like I said, she's a tour guide there, doesn't believe in things. The movie actually starts out with three kids who are going to try to break in there at night, knowing that it's, one, that it's considered one of the most haunted houses in the world. Now, for those who don't know, it is a real house in San Diego. 
and it is considered one of the most haunted houses in the world. Um, but this movie took, no, I won't say it took nothing from the truth, but um, it, it didn't use the story of the house itself. Um, what they did was, I'm just going to sum it up. This girl gets told by her boss who works there um, after this one girl freaks out while they're giving a tour guide because she thinks she sees ghosts. She passes out. They rush her to the hospital. This girl's walking around. She talks to her boss, and the boss says, no, get used to it. It's a common thing. You're going to get used to it because this house is really haunted. And she's like, you know I don't believe in that stuff. And she's like, no, it's really haunted. And she lays out a set of three rules to never break. And um, one is to... Now, if I remember right, I could possibly have this wrong, but one rule is to not make fun of the dead. Well, that makes sense. Okay, you don't want to disrespect them. Another one is not to touch their furniture. And the last one is never go in the house at night because that's their time. So, of course, she goes and hangs out with her boyfriend and their other friends and they're drinking in a cemetery and they get the great idea, hey, you work in that haunted house. Why don't we go in after night and do a, uh, and do a ghost hunt? And the one kid's like, I got a friend who's a real expert ghost hunter. He's got all the equipment. I'll give him a call. She says no, and then eventually they convince her, and of course that's where it all starts. They go in after dark, which they were already warned not to do, and that's when all hell breaks loose. Um, so let's just start with, they, they play a bad stereotype in this movie. The kid that they call to be the go- expert ghost hunter is a nerdy um, African-American kid who's kind of like Urkelish, okay? And... He comes in, he's got the case, and he brings with him, who I, I want to say was either Jamaican or of some English descent, another African, taller African-American guy who is supposedly a psychic, who's a well-known psychic. All of a sudden, they all recognize him from TV or whatever. Um, and he goes around the house, and it all just, all hell breaks loose from there, okay? Um, but what I, what I say stereotypical is they portray this kid as the nerdy ghost hunter, he shows up and he goes, oh, I got this great equipment. And he pulls out a recorder. Um, he pulls out this, this four-track voice recorder. You see, it's the same one they use on Ghost Hunters. The, the, uh, it doesn't matter. It's the, it's the you know, H4 um, by Zoom. But it's the same one they say, oh, I got this great voice recorder. It's used for EVPs. And, of course, he has to go into what EVPs are. And he gives an okay explanation, you know, one that would be acceptable. Then he pulls out a thermal... Um, you know, I should say a laser, uh, IR thermometer with a laser. And he explains, you know, what it's used for. And he goes into a basic explanation, all wrong, okay? But, of course, it's, you know, it looks cool on film. The last thing he brings out um, is the old EMF meter, K2 meter. And he explains what the K2 meter is used for. And this is what's in his big giant, he walks in with this big giant case. But those are the only three things he pulls out of it. And he explains them what the EMF meter does. We go through this whole movie. Things are happening. People are getting killed. And lo and behold, later on, a ghost basically rips all the kids' equipment out of his hands, throws them down, smashes them all. The African-American kid goes crazy. And all of a sudden, he breaks into ghetto mode, challenging the ghosts in the best ghetto speak you possibly could. So he went from being Urkel to all of a sudden thug life. Um, challenging the ghost because they broke his equipment. He's like, I work a minimum wage job. You know how expensive this stuff is? Blah, 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 blah. Okay? He winds up getting killed. It's, you know, a whole big fiasco. Um, 
so with that being said, the 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 movie was filmed in a mansion that is in Long Beach. They didn't even, they didn't film it at the Whaley House. Now the Whaley House is a museum today. You can take guided tours, and from what I've read. Uh, it's either the first Sunday or the last Sunday of the month you can actually do a ghost tour on Sunday nights there. It is out in San Diego. It is considered one of the most haunted houses in the U.S. It was also featured on one of our favorite paranormal reality shows, uh, Fact or Faked. Uh, they did an episode with Bill Murphy um, and Austin, and I, and I forget the young lady's name, but they went to the Whaley House and they investigated it. And they were able to debunk most of the photographic ep uh, uh, evidence that came through. What they weren't able to debunk were the EVPs and the crashing sounds that came through. Now, it's interesting because the movie portrays this house as basically pure evil. And what the movie did get right was the family history. They, they used all the... All the uh, proper people, you know, uh, Mr. Whaley, his wife, and, and the whole thing. They got the history correct. They also omitted the fact that the house was built um, on the old gallows uh, point in San Diego. When they would put people to trial, they would hang them on the gallows. Well, that was torn down to make way for this house, so many, many people died in that spot. So that's where the first bit of tragedy falls. Mm -hmm. I know you know a little bit about the history. Right. Um, in addition to that, there was a very famous person out there called um, Yankee Jim Robinson, who was not a very nice person. Um, they actually wound up convicting him of, um, of grand larceny. Um, and I don't know what it, how much was stolen at that time. But um, they were going to hang him. Um, they were going to hang him in in eighteen in the eighteen fifties. It was after the gold rush started in California. Um, so they act because the gallows had been taken down. They actually had to rebuild them. Um, so they rebuilt them very quickly. And um, and they, they what they did was they mismeasured the mm -hmm. gallows. Yeah, he was so, six foot four. So what happened was when they released him, instead of snapping his neck his feet hit the ground and he wound up being strangled and wound up being alive for a long period of time suffering um it's believed that that his spirit is one of the main spirits that wanders that house mm -hmm. um you know for people who don't know a lot of people see a gallows in the movies and they think it strangles you it doesn't what it does is it it instantly snaps your neck depending on how the executioner decides to kill you right if they're merciful, they'll snap your neck. Mm -hmm. And if they don't, you'll just hang there until you, right. you're strangled to death, until you can't breathe anymore. Right, right. Um, there were not some nice people there. Yeah. And he that's believed to be one of the main ghosts in the house. Um, now, as far as other ghosts in the house, people see who take the tour, literally it's gotten to the point, and the reason why they say it's one of the most haunted locations in the U.S. is that they literally get reports of ghost activity every single day from people taking the tour. That's not an exaggeration. At, at this point, they don't... It, it's like old hat to them because they've heard it so much. Um, 
it's a fascinating place. Now, there are other ghosts. Yes, there are. Um, Anna Whitney, Whaley, excuse me, um, was married to the gentleman who built it. Um, his name was Thomas, Thomas Whaley. Whaley. And um, she was married to him. She's actually reported to haunt it. Um, as well as their daughter. Their daughter was... Um, Violet. Yeah, their daughter was Violet. She married... Um, when they moved up to San Francisco, They she got married to what they ultimately discovered was a con man. He wound up stealing her dowry um, and then left her. So, I mean, at that time, the social more was if you were a young woman, you, you were married at a certain age and you stayed married. Um, and if you wind up getting a divorce for any reason, you were basically a social pariah, um, which is what happened to her. She wound up actually divorcing him because he took off. And, um, but she was, she was never able to recover from that. So she um, committed suicide two years after her divorce. So in 1855, she wound up actually killing herself. Um, and she's now reputed to be one of the people who um, who do haunt the Whaley House. Now, like I said, it was covered. It was covered, um, in in you know, uh, fact or faked. You know, uh, they did a good they did a good job with the investigation. Um, best place to watch it if you go to like say roku or any any of the boxes and you search for it, it's going to come up on amazon they want to charge your dollar 99 episode don't do that go to youtube every episode is there on youtube and they're free so you know if you want to look at look take a look uh when you get a chance to see what we're talking about um and get more of the background you can go right there and watch that episode and then if you want to watch the movie which I don't say, you know, if you're into if you're into B type movies, campy movies, can't yeah, it's you know I don't even think it was meant to be campy. I just think it it came out that way because, mm-hmm. you know, they they probably went in did a quick search of what do ghost hunters use and, and you know and that sort of thing, right? Um, and they you know they wanted to basically tell the story, but you could go that move that's on Netflix right now. Um, it's you know it's 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 worth. I mean, it's an hour and a half movie, so you're not investing your whole life on it. But it's good if you want to watch them like back to back. You can watch them and, and get an idea, you know, what happened. Uh, also, the Whaley House was featured on, I think it was Discovery's uh, Most Haunted Homes in America, was featured on that special as well. Um, you know, so it does have a deep, deep uh, background, you know. I made a mistake on the date. It, she did. She didn't commit suicide in 1855. It was 1885. I apologize. Oh, okay. I had to check. Right, right. So, but it's definitely you know, like I said, it's it's an interesting place, and and it's one of only two places that Congress um, has acknowledged as haunted. The other one being the Winchester House. Now, don't ask me why they acknowledged them as haunted. It's just what they had mentioned on uh, Factor Fate. I heard that. I heard that today when I was watching it. Um, I don't know why they would, but both of them are are the acknowledged uh, by Congress. So what we'll do here is we'll take a little break, and then we come back and we're going to talk about a documentary that we watched and touch a little bit more on Halloween. So we will be right back. Welcome to Intermission. <laughs> Thank you. 
intermission.
Okay, we're back. So, it is the Halloween season. All the Halloween stuff is up in the stores. Um, although, at this point now, it's already into a smaller space, and Christmas is coming. Scary. But um, much more scary than the ghouls and goblins you'll face in Halloween. But very true. So, like I said, I've, I've started my movie uh, marathon watching. Um, it's something I do every year for Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was, Jen, what was your favorite Halloween costume when you were growing up? My favorite Halloween costume? Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Um, I mean, I think every girl goes through that stage, you know, in her teens or in her, yeah, in her early teens where she's going to be a hooker. Um, except it was the eighties. So we wore a lot of clothes. Um, <laughs> at least I did. Big hair. Uh, big hair. Um, you know, heavy makeup. You wore, you know, heeled boots and, or mini skirt. And, you know, that was my version of a hooker. Um, I'm trying to think though, when I was younger, um, I don't really remember any of my costumes from when I was younger other than like, you know. Walking around basically looking like every other 80s teenager during the day. Well, I was even thinking when we were younger with the uh, Ruby's costumes, which were just like a plastic mask of some type of superhero, like Batman, and on, on it just said like Batman on the front and a plastic like Yeah, overall. but I don't remember any of those. Like, I don't remember what I was before like I was, because I, I think I just hatched when I was a teenager. I don't remember I, anything I, prior. Like, I'm of that age where I had Batman... I remember having Mr. Spock one year, mm-hmm. and I remember Evil Knievel, because every 70s kid loved Evil Knievel, mm-hmm. you know? And then I remember going to high school, and then the costumes got a little bit, um, you know, uh, doing Friday the 13th with, the, with my Jason mask, and uh, then I remember dressing in, in one of the, the school had a Halloween dance, and we did a, I, me and a couple of other friends, we dressed as the guys from A Clockwork Orange. Um, you were much more creative than I was, because I don't remember doing any of this stuff. Well, and then, and then there was then there was some of the offensive costumes that we tried to wear. Oh, God. I remember going as Rick Allen, the drummer from Def Leppard. With only one arm? With one arm, right. With one, <laughs> w- w- had one arm under a sh- uh, wore Def Leppard shirt, had one arm tucked under the shirt with, you know, with the uh-huh. sleeve hanging, and just one drumstick. Um, Did you at least get the right hand? The, the correct hand, I should say? I believe so. It was a long time ago. Okay. You know? Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, and now, as we know, I'm working on my full Ghostbusters I uniform know. that's in the closet. Mm-hmm. I don't be necessarily think that's just for Halloween. <laughs> well, it's, it's okay. <laughs> that, that, that's like the Star Trek uniforms in the other yeah, room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I know. And all my Harry Potter stuff. I got right. it. It's yes. Because every girl needs, you know, her dress wand and her practical wand. Well, I, I just think min- the ministry song, Every Day is Halloween, sums it up best. Gotcha. But, so, tell the people what we watched yesterday. We watched American Ghost Hunter, the documentary that um, Chad Kalick and Ryan Buell put out a few years ago. And what was your initial impressions? My initial impression was that... Um, I, 
I don't necessarily think that the conclusions that they came to um, were actually accurate. Um, I think that there was a lot of stuff that could be explained away, um, a lot of things that they didn't take into account, and I think that there was a whole avenue that they didn't explore that they should have explored, which was a medical reason. But I don't know how much the people who are listening actually know about the documentary, like who's seen it and who hasn't. I don't want to give too much away. Right. Um, it's for people who, who I know it was available to purchase for a while, but now it's up on Hulu uh, and you can watch it for free. Um, I definitely say watch it. It's it's worth watching. It's, it's done very well, although I have a tendency to agree with Jen. Um, there were avenues that could have been explored. I mean, we, we could talk about it a little bit. We don't have to keep it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, what it basically was is, is uh, Chad Kellogg's family um, was experiencing a haunting. And Supposedly. What was that? Supposedly. Supposedly. And his mother was possessed. And he remembers it from a young age, and he's trying to resolve it in his mind and, and help his mother. Um, as always, when it comes to a Ryan Buell project, things become demonic mm-hmm. and there is a, uh, highly religious slant put on everything. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily think that needed to be, um, I think, I think, one of the things they should have really examined was his mother's mental state. Yes, absolutely. Because I think a lot of what she experienced and what she said can be explained away through a medical diagnosis. I've seen similar behavior. I have family members who have acted in that in a very similar um, manner to her. And it was um, a lot of psychiatric um, work needed to be done for them. But, I mean, it's, it's a legitimate medical issue in my unexpert opinion and and what they did was they tried to patch together um a series of events mm-hmm. um and make it fit to what was happening with them taking what i feel would be isolated incidents and somehow looking for a connection because mm-hmm. they were try- ultimately they were trying to create a story out of pieces um, so they had to sort of weave them together in a way that made sense to the story that they were trying to tell. But I think, for me anyway, a lot of the pieces that they were talking about were disjointed and didn't necessarily go together, but they tried to force them into going. Yeah, I, um, you know, one of the things is, I want to say this right right away, I do believe that they believe everything that was going oh, on to absolutely. be real. I don't think they were making anything up. No, I think that it was very sincere from their point of view, but I think that they were not looking at the entire picture. They were looking at it from inside the box that they were in rather than trying to explore so- solutions or scenarios outside of that box. Right. And, you know, again, anytime, and I like, trust me, I'm not against Ryan Buell. I liked him uh, on Paranormal State. Mm-hmm. My biggest complaint with that show is the biggest complaint I have with this one is that it becomes too over-the-top religious, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I'm not saying 
people out there shouldn't be religious. That's your prerogative, whatever. But I think when it comes to um, the paranormal, I think there are other explanations other than things being evil, demonic, and that sort of thing. Um, you know, and then they, they brought in Lorraine Warren to help with it. And I know Jen's not a big Lorraine Warren fan. No, I'm not. Why? Um, I think it probably stems from the fact that I, I don't, I'm not that religious sort of person at all. I don't believe that demons exist. I don't believe that that sort of evil exists. For me, evil is rooted in people. Um, so I have a tendency when I hear um, people saying that they've invited a demon into their house, I just, I don't believe it because I don't believe in those sorts of things. Um, mm-hmm. No, I... You I, know, and I'm just, I'm trying, to th- I'm trying to organize my thoughts in my head, so go ahead. No, and I, I know before you've questioned some of the cases that, mm-hmm. some of the claims on cases that she's worked yep. on. Absolutely. Um, because I've read alternate um, explanations of what has happened mm-hmm. and um, you know w- the claims that they make are not necessarily facts that I, I've discovered later on so I have a tendency to question them okay fair enough now you know she, they, they did bring in Lorraine Warren like I said she was not there for a majority of the movie only a no. small part mm-hmm. um, right at the end mm-hmm. um, but you know it I will say, cinematically, um, it was done well as far as the visuals. The cinematography was was really good. It's better than most of the ghost hunting stuff we see out there. I thought it was really done well as far as that went. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the stuff with his brother was interesting. Um, I don't know how true and what what his brother was doing and he was experimenting with ITC um, stuff. I won't really get into it because I'd rather you guys watch it and see it for yourself, but I thought what he was doing was interesting. Um, I don't know the validity of it. You know, it's hard. It's, it's very hard to say. But I wonder if that goes back to um, pareidolia because we hear things in white noise. And to me, when it, when it, that sort of thing, basically what they were doing is they were taking specific passages and, and playing them backwards. I'm not going to tell you where the passages came from, but it sounds to me like it's, it's the, the audible version of pareidolia where you are basically going and you are hearing things in the, in the white noise that's created from reading this stuff backwards. It happens all the time with that Beatles album or the Pink Floyd one. And I can't remember the names of the, the well, albums, I, but I, well, you have Led Zeppelin, yeah, where where when you play it backwards, you hear, right? You know, but I I think it's that sort of thing. You're you sort of are hearing, um, stuff that may not actually be words, but your mind is turning them into words. So you're getting meaning out of it. That's probably really not there. Yeah, no, that that could definitely be the case. Uh, I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things where. You know, with ITC communications, and for people who aren't familiar with ITC communications, it's an experimental type of communications. Things like using a spirit box, using the Avalis um, device, and and 
other things, you know, um, you know, there's other techniques where they, where they take a video camera and point it at a TV screen, which is just generating white noise on the screen and it's filming it and supposedly generates words and, and images. It's all experimental. We don't know if it works, if it doesn't work. There are arguments on either side. But I, I always find that stuff interesting, which is why I don't dismiss it. I mean, again, I never use it as evidence for clients, but if like we're doing investigations that are for us, I like using that stuff because you do get some interesting results, you mm -hmm. know. But overall, you know, it, it's there are some familiar faces in there. You have uh, Sergey from um, Paranormal State. Yep, from Paranormal, Paranormal State. Ryan. Ryan, Chad. Mm -hmm. um, and then Chad has his own friends that come in and help him. One guy who's a total, as always, skeptic. Because <laughs> it's just pat it's the pattern. You bring in one person who's a skeptic on all these things, whether it's a movie or a show, you know. And I don't think they ever actually truly convinced him. I think he saw things he couldn't explain. But I, I don't think right. when they were interviewing him that he ever really came around on it. He kept thinking for logical and for, you know, answers. Right, but I, I think that's the sign of a good investigator. You know, you're always looking for that right. logical explanation. And if you can explain it, that's when you wind up reaching for it. But you're always still saying to yourself, well, hey, there could be a logical explanation for what I just saw. I just saw a little ball of light fly out of, out of the air, hover over my head three feet. Who knows? Maybe there's somebody outside shining a laser in the, in the window at me, and I can't see them. I don't know. But that skeptic um, point of view always seems, at least for me, the most comfortable one. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, I thought the emotion was very real. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, that there were times where everybody in that family had broken down and cried, mm -hmm. and it wasn't like they were actors. They're not. You could tell. You know, it was genuine. There was, um, there, you know, there was definitely true emotion there. And, and it was weird. I thought, I didn't think it was going to end the way it did. I mean, I'm not going to tell anybody because I really think you guys should watch it. But I didn't think it was going to end the way it did. You know, I, I thought something else would have happened or, you know, a different spin would have been put on it. Um... You know, but I think I think I'm used to the big Hollywood endings now. I think I've been sort of spoiled by, you know, all the blockbuster movies where you know all of a sudden you know something comes flying out of a closet or whatever, and you know it's it's you know everybody running for their lives or you know with that one person who's you know trying to fight the, the right, thing. Right, right. Um, so and it seemed it seemed almost anticlimactic. Right, right. And you know things to keep in mind it is a documentary. It's not a, you know. And I'm not a fan of documentaries either. Right. And it's not a work of fiction. So, But I highly recommend it. Again, it's American Ghost Hunter, and it is on Hulu at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, you can also, if you like it, you can also purchase it from their website. Definitely worth watching. Um, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see, too, if I could reach out to Chad and, and see if I can get him on the show in the future. Um, he's a Facebook friend, but you know how that works. I want to message and see if I can get him to be on the show. Because you have questions about it, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, they would definitely like to have answered. So, but now we'll go back to our little Halloween talk. Oh boy. Okay. No, no. So when you were out trick or treating, okay, did you have to do the whole thing of bring your candy back? Don't eat it. 
Did you ever get that lecture? Um, it started when I was probably like, no, yeah, we always did. For it was for us, it was always razor blades in the apples. People were giving you apples; you had to check them for razor blades. Right, which, which by, by, police statistics and FBI statistics, there has never been one case in the USA <laughs> of a razor blade being in an apple, which is amazing. Um, I also think, like, I don't know. I think our parents underestimated how smart we were because it was always like, "Don't eat any candy. Let me bring it home. Let me inspect it first. Now, I don't know how it was because you grew up in a more um, suburban type of area where I grew up in the city. Right. In the city, you would literally go house. You'd walk down your block and you'd go mm-hmm. house to house to house. If you were lucky enough to have a parent with you, and didn't have to be your parent, but it could be one parent from the group, mm-hmm. they would take you to the next block over and across the street and you would go and you'd go house to house to house. And I'm not kidding. Like I would come home with like giant bags of candy mm-hmm. uh, when I was young. Now, I know nowadays it's gotten... Where Especially in areas like ours where uh, it's a lot of, uh, where we live now, where there's a lot of areas where they don't even have sidewalks, you know, because it's too country. They He's do the a whole city boy that really, really amazes him. But I live in a, we live in a more rural area, so there's a lot of farmland. Well, there's a lot of right. that sort of thing. So it, the cows don't need sidewalks, which right. I keep but telling my th- them. My point of being is they do this thing. It's, it's uh, you know, the... Uh, Are you talking about trunk or treat? Trunk or treat. Okay. You know? And I'm always like, I'm always like, that is so, like, from the perspective that I had, that is so not fun. You know, when mm-hmm. I was a kid, it was just so much fun to go ring the bells. And then what happened is, if you had somebody who gave out really good candy. You tell everybody. No, no forget that. You change your mask with somebody else <laughs> and go back for seconds. I never did that. Yeah, we used to swap masks. I'd be like, that one's giving out, like, the best Snickers. Hey, give me your mask. We'll wait five minutes and we'll go back. I never did that. You know, now you're you have a weird mask, like you right. know, you got some like Darth Vader mask with like a Batman costume. Made no sense whatsoever, but <laughs> but you were not the same person they saw before, and you were getting this great candy. You know, the other thing too is we were like I don't like like well where your where you your area where your mom lives, mm-hmm. you probably did go house to house. I would think. Yeah, we did. I I grew up in a um in a development, so people had anywhere from like a third of an acre to like a half an acre size um, plot. So there were um, four blocks set up in our development. So we would go around each block, around each road. Um, so we actually did quite a fair, you know, a, a pretty good haul. Um, and then what we would do is, from where I live, we would actually walk down to. The volunteer fire department, which always did like a a, ho- a Halloween party, um, so there was always more candy. There was, you know, a lot of different like refreshments, and and I couldn't think of the word. Um, so there was a lot of that sort of stuff, and prizes were given out for the best costume and all of that. So Halloween was a thing. Was a big yeah, thing. no, absolutely. I mean. And then for us, when we got older, we kind of got mischievous, and that's when it became, all right, let's go buy two dozen eggs and egg people. I never did that. Let's spray the world with shaving cream and, you know. um, Yeah, so that kind of got rowdy and other stuff, you know. But I know. I don't know if you folks can hear it, but our cat is outside the uh, recording studio. and Throwing himself against the door. Yes, because he wants in, but... And he's meowing like crazy. So if you hear that in the background, just, we're not killing a cat or anything. It's just our cat wanting to get right. in and be with us. And con- conveniently, his name is Salem. We have a black cat. So he goes along with the Halloween theme. Exactly. You know, 
Um, what was your favorite Halloween candy? Oh God, Reese's peanut butter cups. Mm. I, I, there's just no argument. There's no question. My favorite candy has always been peanut butter cups. I will love them till the day I die. I do too, but but for me, they weren't really like they were, to me. They were an everyday candy. You had them all the time. There were some candies that only appeared around Halloween, or at least we would get them in Halloween. We would get those little um, Smarties. Really? Yeah, you get tons of those. They yeah, were always we would get cool. them. A, we would get them a lot, but I would always have them during other times as well. Yeah, no, like for us, it was like that. We'd always get those around Halloween where we didn't get them because you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we would get chocolates and whatnot right. and that sort of thing. And candy corn. Candy corn. I love candy corn. There's something about that, that mellow stuff that they do with mm. that and the pumpkins and, and the little turkey things that they give you. I just adore those. Yeah, they are so overly sweet. I don't care. I, I uh, will take the diabetic coma any day for those. I love those things. All right, folks, we're going to wrap up. Uh, on the intermission, we had a TV party, and we will now have a dead man's party. And we will see you next week, and we'll continue the Halloween talk until all the way to Halloween. So have fun. We hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Come on.